Welcome back to What We're In About. It's your girl, Awileo T. And I just want to say happy Black History Month. Um, every day is Black History for me, or every day is to celebrate Blackness. Um, but we do take out the month of February to highlight the Black experiences and remember people about the historical figures who made it easy for us to thrive as Black people. Um, I'm really excited for today because I get to connect to a very amazing woman and I'm going to let her introduce herself and then maybe we could talk about how we met. <laughs> Hi everyone, um, I'm Samira, I'm 29, uh, Vancouver native, but child of the world, I like to say. Uh, I work in the tech industry, but my, my love is it's in the arts, I would say, you know, fashion and, and painting and architecture and anything really visual. That's mm-hmm. how I would describe my, my deep oh. love. Maybe one day I'll work in like uh, a field that kind of connects the two. <laughs> I love that for you, girl. Uh, I was just about yeah. to call you a uh, tech bro. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know the term tech bro? Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's a- now and then I'm just like, oh, I wish I took something else in school because tech is tech is popping now. Everyone, everywhere mm-hmm. I go on, uh, all the social media spaces, Twitter, Clubhouse, everyone's always like yeah. tech, STEM. Oh, I'm tech. It's the right future, now. man. It's the future. It is the future. I feel like I need to do some <laughs> switch. Like, take me with you. Don't leave. Me. Exactly. Don't I get a bag me. big enough for all of us. <laughs> So like, how do you enjoy, like, what you do? Like, um, how do you enjoy it so far? Like, um... I like it because it's really fast paced, mm. you know, and it's never too predictable. I think the tech, I can't speak for like the whole tech world, but like the company that I work at is just, it's go, 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 go. And for somebody like me who gets bored really quickly, I like that energy, but it can mm-hmm. also be pretty exhausting too. So it's nice to have like something else on the side that's your own outlet that you can kind of counterbalance everything with. That's good. Um, So me and Samira, we met at a restaurant. (laughs) It was was actually, it's one of of my favorite moments or experiences from like last year. So I got got out to eat with the girls and um, the waiter comes up to us and he's just like, someone has offered to pay for your first round of drinks. And I'm just like, ooh, like, we're looking at each other like, okay, like, we're looking good. Like, we was really looking nice or whatever. And my friends are just like, okay, well, that's, this is so nice. Like, who's the person? And we turned over and it, it, it was your table. And we're, yeah. like, so excited. Like, you know, come over, come over. And um, it was just so genuine, your excitement to want to meet us and then, you know, pay for our drinks and, you know, connect with other, like, Black women and you know it, I just like I, I really like that I should have been I was also just very new to Vancouver as well and um to just have such a very like warm like response I, I really like that and I just thought that you know um and then we followed we exchanged like uh social media um mm-hmm. uh whatever names I guess and to see <laughs> you're also an influencer and stuff like that and I'm like oh wow. like <laughs> um i'm probably gonna pull over this attach her <laughs> stuff you guys need to follow her she has really great content um Aww, thank you 
So it, it was very, very interesting. And, you know, you talked about how, um, you know, you're, you're born and raised Vancouver, but you don't see enough um, Black people. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lack of visibility of, like, Black people in Vancouver. And I just thought, you know what, this is a conversation to be had for Black History Month, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think it's very important to ha- highlight Black people's experiences. Black women, especially, need to highlight their experiences. And so I just, I thought we could just, you know, connect with you I wanted to talk about like your experience growing up in Vancouver um mm-hmm. you just discovering your identity as a person and what's what that has been like for you being in a space that um you know there was a lack of representation you really saw people who looked like you and how you had to navigate through going to high school uni and you know finding a job and stuff like that mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you could, you saw how I reacted when I saw you guys. That just <laughs> yes, tells you enough of the fact that it, I don't see people who look it like was, me. <laughs> it was a reaction. We were just like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's like, I mean, like for context, I was on a date that day too. And the yeah. poor guy, I mean, he stood no chance. Like the minute I saw you guys, it was like all my attention was just... <laughs> but he was so patient like he let you come just like yeah he was like no go do what you gotta do and I just like even when I came back from your table and I introduced myself and he was just like trying to continue the date and I'm like but they're so pretty (laughs) I'm like just look at them (laughs) girl you're so pretty too (laughs) I was like I was like I, I don't think he could really grasp why I was so excited but like growing up especially in Vancouver I never well very rarely saw black people who I wasn't related to mm-hmm. and it's such a cliche that like there's like a stereotype of like all black people know each other but that was my entire life because there were so few of us mm-hmm. and so it was like an instant thing like if you saw somebody black you automatically had to introduce yourself and then you just always knew them because there was just so few of you um and so my identity was always rooted just in my family and my culture because that's really the only time I saw people who looked like me mm-hmm. and then outside of that I just it's weird but I never saw myself as black right Did you- it was like I just I never had something else to bounce off of because it was like I was one thing at home and then I was something else back at school and at school I went to a very multicultural school you know we had East Asians we had Europeans we had South Americans we had Caucasians like it was a big mix and so who you were in terms of like ethnicity and background never really mattered never really came up and so I was just me I was just Samira and then I came back home and it's like okay you had all these cultural um foods and cultural clothing and you had people speaking a different language and then that's where your identity kind of became rooted in and I just went through that all through elementary school and high school. And then university was weird because university was like, my university had a lot of international students. And so I saw people who were very hyper aware of who they were and very content with who they were and were very rooted in who they were. And they brought that to, to class and they brought that to our social gatherings and it was just that was just who they were and they were very content with it and I kind of went through this like I don't want to call it a midlife crisis because I was like 20 years old but I was struggling to figure out who I was and I was almost in 
and I was also trying to figure out like like I know I'm black but like what kind of black person am I because you kind of are fed this idea in the media of like black people don't just get to be there's always a stereotype that you have to fit yeah you know like are you Mm -hmm. I get that like you just can't exist (laughs) (laughs) yeah I get that I actually have like a very um question for you because um someone people are talking about how like blackness is not very it's not Mm -hmm. monolithic it's um it's diverse like Mm -hmm. um my blackness might differ for you being that I'm also just Nigerian and Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not um first generation Canadian I wasn't born here I migrated here as a student so of course like our identities are somewhat um, different versus Mm -hmm. someone who's also a black American um yeah who moved there or someone who is um, black American, but um, descendant of slaves because they don't have lineage or ways to trace their identity back to their roots. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I'm just learning as well too. Like, so we're black, our skin is black, but our identities Mm -hmm. too are so, so, so different absolutely and our experiences are completely different and like even just something as simple as like you know um the things that we like the kind of music that we like or what we're um exposed to growing up a lot of my friends in university came in from other provinces to go to school here and so a majority of them were from the prairies and so they loved country music and they drank beer and like they were a very specific niche of people and that's what I was around and like I almost found myself molding to that and mm. so I was somebody who rocked out to like Carrie Underwood and like you know wore like country boots and like watched hockey all the time and so like I struggled because I was like well who I am is doesn't fit what I see of black people on tv or in media or just the conversations that I've had of people who have experiences with other Black people. And so it was this complicated um, situation going on in my head where I'm like, I am one way, but I'm being told that the way that I am is incorrect. And so that took years for me to kind of come to terms with and grasp. And it wasn't until like I had formally joined social media and I was exposed to this array of people who were Black but had their own personalities and had their own interests and were, they had the option to just be whatever they wanted to be. And it was like, oh, like my, my identity isn't rooted in what somebody else decides that I have to be. I can just exist because I'm seeing other people who look like me simply just exist. I don't have to fit this box that somebody else has molded for me just because they decided that that's how I have to be. But even then, like there's times now where I still struggle when, because you're fed this idea. Because it's like, well, white people don't have this problem because white people are never told that they have to be a specific way. And so they get to just exist. And so you have all of these different people who are like you know I'm a country girl I'm a skater girl I'm this I'm that and they just kind of get to be whereas and they have the inspiration that they can find online you know like you go onto Pinterest and you'll find 
an array of people who fit all these different molds. But when you're trying to figure out who you want to be, a lot of it for me, especially is very visual. I won't know I like something until I visually see it. And it's hard for me to see black girls in certain spaces because they haven't been allowed to be in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And so now it's kind of like trying to find, I'm trying to live more so for me as opposed to anybody else or as opposed to what I've been told I have to do. But it's really hard to visualize it at times because that visual just doesn't exist. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I understand that. I think people are always trying to box us as um, black people, you know, or, you know, me as even an African. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people have certain expectations of how you are supposed to be and Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned before, the stereotypes, and when you don't um, fit into that box or you're not in that box anymore, people are then surprised. I, I remember my, my when I first moved to Canada, someone said, "Oh, like your English is good, like you articulate." What does that mean? <laughs> like oh, I'm man. educated. Like um, we have good we have good schools in Nigeria where I come from, and my parents mm-hmm. sent like me and my siblings to the best. So of course I'm articulate. Um, but even just outside of even me just being Africans, like you see some Black Americans say, people tell them sometimes that they talk white and then you ask them oh. like, what does that mean? Like, I hate um, that. <laughs> who defined the rules to what, uh, of how a person speaks or how a particular mm-hmm. race of people should speak? So um, it's things like that, stereotypes that are always trying to make Black people seem like they're monolithic, like you have to be just this one type of person. You only have to- And then they think it's a compliment too. Yeah. You only have to listen to (laughs) Black, uh, you know, rap music. You only have to eat a certain type of food. You only have to dress a certain type of way. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, you can be diverse. You can be valid. And if if you like Ariana, that's what you like, you know? Um, That shouldn't have to be something that is- um, intertwined with your identity sorry with your your color of your skin so um I can see how that it can really really like mess with your identity because you're thinking to yourself like so like am I not like black enough you know there are that questions they start to ask yourself like so it's your it's my blackness a question (laughs) you know I I thought that very question multiple times during my my early 20s was like am I not black enough and then I found myself like, cause like my entire friend circle was white too. And I was just like, and then you almost find yourself like resenting your blackness at some point too, because it's like, well, I don't fit what I've been told I should be. And so maybe I just shouldn't be that person then. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take, that it didn't like diminish away until I started meeting other black people my age and incorporating more black people into my friend circle that you're like oh no wait like I'm valid just the way I am my blackness is valid just Just the way it is is. yeah yeah like and it's 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 weird to even for people to even sort of question that being um that you you're also like a product of like your environment like absolutely like you didn't kind of you when you didn't also just grow up amongst black people 
Um, and I'm I'm also saying if there was no enough representation of like black music in mm-hmm. where you lived, you're not gonna listen to black music. You're not gonna go out of your way to listen to black mm-hmm. music or a black uh, or culturally e food that just represents you. You're gonna see what's in front of you. You're gonna listen to what's in front of you or what what's given to you. Um, mm-hmm. Even with the move, even with movies, and this is why people fight so hard for like representation, and Absolutely. people want to see people who look like them because um, you you feed us so much with all the Rachel McAdams and Mary Strip movies, and then people mm-hmm. want to be Mary Strip, <laughs> people aspire to be Mary mm-hmm. Strip, and then you're like, um, then you're questioning their blackness, but that's all you've given to them, you know, yeah. like you haven't yeah. given them anything else to look forward to. Yeah. Um, one of the questions I wanted to um, ask you, and I feel like we're kind of just, we're already just talking about that was um, if it was easy discovering your identity as a Black woman in this space that wasn't so diverse. I think my mom used to always say that one of my superpowers is that I can kind of fit in anywhere. Like I kind of just become wherever you put me. And I think that's also kind of ties into like the fact that I was struggling to figure out what my identity was. So I kind of just kind of grasped onto whoever or whatever was around me. And it's not until like now, actually, like maybe like the past two years that I'm very content with who I am. But I lived my whole life being like the only black person in a room. Almost like, like whether it was like school, whether it was like in a restaurant, like I could be at the doctor's clinic, like it didn't matter where I was. I was always the black, only black person in a room. Actually, majority of the time, I was only like, I was almost always the only woman of color in a room. And so I'm accustomed to fitting in and like fitting in in spaces where I'm completely alone. But doesn't mean I enjoy it. <laughs> doesn't mean it's easy, but I'm accustomed to it. And I've like molded myself to just, to make do wherever I am. Now, more so, I'm kind of fighting against it. I think it was more of like a defense mechanism growing up because it's like, well, yeah, there's no other choice. Whereas like now, I think fighting back against the system that makes you the only person of color in a room or the only black person in a room is the only way that I found that I can be content with myself. Like I shouldn't have to just take things lying down. Like you should question why there's nobody else in that space. Or if it's like a work scenario or professional scenario, if it's um, something as simple as like a group chat, like you kind of have to fight back against that. The, the Fight back against like why it is the way it is. I think I'm finally comfortable enough as a person where I'm like, okay, but why? You know, like start to question things, but I'll still hold on to that superpower for a little bit longer because I think at some point, like somebody has to be the first. Not that I'm saying it has to be me, but like no matter what space it is, like somebody has to be the first. And then if somebody else sees it, then then that kind of opens the door. Yeah. Um, and do you also think that identity is not something that, um, what's the word? It's not fixed. It can be variable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think um, sometimes people are just like, you know, I, I think who you can, who you were at, uh, at as, as a teenager can also just differ with as 
who you are now as an adult you know mm-hmm. I think it's it's either it's constantly changing it's evolving and it's growing and you're starting to find like um parts of you that you didn't just realize that you have and then you're just molding it into this one thing I just mm-hmm. I think identity can just it's not fixed you know because I, I feel like sometimes we speak about it as just one thing like this is my mm-hmm. identity but I think it can be very you know diverse it can be a variety of things and it can also just constantly grow and evolve with you as a person um I think it has to because we're constantly experiencing new things right yeah like I mean like I for you I imagine that you're not the same person you were before you moved from Nigeria Uh, no (laughs) like moving to a whole new continent gives you a whole new understanding of who you are as a person and so there's no way possible that you would your identity would stay the same. Like I think back to who I was as a teenager, and I cringe. Like I couldn't. I I'd hate myself if I met myself as a teenager right now. Same, <laughs> like hundred percent would. <laughs> yeah, I think about it sometimes, and I'm just like, if I met myself as a teenager, I'd probably just be like, oh, girl, cringe. <laughs> even something is like a few years back. Like if I think back to something I did like four years ago, I'm just like, oh, oh my god. I think I was <laughs> oh my god yeah no. it's constantly changing one of my favorite things when I had this conversation was um one of my cousins quite um quite often shout out to Miriam but we talk about traveling a lot together and or just traveling in general and it's been like the most life-altering thing for me like traveling alone and it has taught me more about myself than school ever could than any other experience I've ever had could more than like my parents could have taught me more than my culture could have taught me like I've learned the very essence of who I am and who I want to be just from traveling and having those experiences with people in different countries and those interactions and like having to take care of myself away from every other comfort zone that I've ever had and that like for me has been the thing that I want to continue more on to learn more about my own self and my own growth and my own identity yeah uh, no that is that is that is something that I wish for myself too like <laughs> this is something that I was supposed to start doing you know after I was done with like school and then the world just like yeah. closed down and wow. then everyone's just at home <laughs> and I'm just hoping and I'm just praying that obviously I get to still go in that experience of just discovering oneself through travels and, mm-hmm. you know, um, experiencing other people's culture and stuff like that. Um, taking yourself out of your comfort zone too. Yeah. Um, I don't want us to get deep into this, but uh, I don't think there's <laughs> anything. I don't think when we, when we talk about the black experience, I don't think we can, we can take out, you know, things like racism and discrimination and, you mm-hmm. know, other things and other subtle things that fall into it and even you as a dark-skinned black woman you know mm-hmm. um I do think that your experiences even comparison to me a little bit very different and um that's something I wanted I wanted to just touch on a little bit like um do you feel like because I have another question that has to do with you being a black Canadian um mm-hmm. people say there's oh it's, it might be, some people say it's different from you being Black American because people mm-hmm. generally are under the assumption that, you know, Canada is more, um, 
oh, what's the word you always use? It's less racist, or it's not, mm -hmm. or the racism is not in your face, just like the way it is in America. Or they don't do some of the mm -hmm. heinous things America does. Um, I don't really believe that because I, I I think once people are bigots, they're bigots, <laughs> just because mm -hmm. um, it's not documented or it's not being shown or it's not a cop just shooting down anyone on the streets um, in Canada doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. There are other ways that it affects us here in Canada. And I just wanted you to like, kind of speak on that. Do you think that, you know, uh, people, the like racism here or discrimination is just very subtle. It's not, um, or it's not spoken of or people just think maybe Canadians are just, you know, we're all good people, mm -hmm. we're all kumbaya, ha ha ha. I hate the um, the idea of like the fact that racism has to be on a range mm -hmm. and that like one end of it is better than the other end of it because at the end of the day, it's still racism. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we shouldn't be applauding somebody because their racism is like more subtle than. They will tell them, girl, please. Like, <laughs> like you know? we should not be celebrating. Like, okay, like microaggressions are still racism. It doesn't matter. Like you're still discriminating against me based on the color of my skin. Like it does not matter. And I've always hated that argument that like, oh, you know, Canadian cops aren't shooting black people down at the rate that American cops are. So therefore we win. Right. It's like, no, homie. No, that's that's literally not it. Um I think for so long, I was in denial that I've ever had any racial experiences because I've also been fed this mindset that like, oh, Canada is so much better that you almost have trained yourself to ignore the microaggressions. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you, it, it's like a, it's like a defense mechanism almost because you're just like, no, like this isn't happening to me. And it, I don't know if you've experienced it, but like if the very few times in my life in, in Canada that I've experienced anything racial, I immediately went into denial. I'm like, no, this isn't happening to me. I'm not that kind of person. As if there's a kind of person that deserves to be discriminated against. But it's like, it's what you're fed via the yes. media. And so Canada is just as guilty. I won't say that our experiences are the same because I think with Canada and with its immigration policies are a lot of the black people well, I'll speak for myself a lot of the black people that I've met are either first or second genera genera uh, generation immigrants and so they have a tie back to the motherland they have a culture that they can tie back a language like they know where they came from whereas everybody that almost everybody that I knew in the state had ties back to slavery and so they couldn't they didn't have the they were robbed of the opportunity to know like where their ancestors came from. And I think that shifts the way you experience racism because when you have that tie back, at least I did when I've been back to Kenya, my family's from Somalia, but I've been back to Kenya a few times and there's a sense of what could be. You know, you go back and you're like, okay, this is how life could have been without without racism, without that feeling of like being different, without that kind of second guessing why people are treating you the way they're treating you. Whereas I don't think my friends in the States have had that same luxury. And I will call her a luxury because it's not afforded to everybody. Um, 
but it doesn't take away from the experiences that we feel whenever we're here or in any white predominant space. Racism is still racism. Yeah, no. Uh, I like the fact that you said it. I don't think there, sh- there should be level, like racism is racism. I don't think there should be levels to it. And I don't think just mm-hmm. because you're not doing, you're not killing people or gunning down people in mm-hmm. the streets doesn't mean that whatever you're doing is not harmful to Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, um, I was just, I, I had a, a, a guy friend who, well, when we were back in school, he had gone to instructor's office. Uh, he, there, he had some like course, or his girlfriend had some course issues basically, and he had gone there to you know help her out because she needed like a person they asked her to bring like a person or a family member and she didn't mm-hmm. have one so that's all she had and mm-hmm. you know the instructor had gone back to I guess the head of the department to say that you know she had brought someone to intimidate him oh my god and I hate when people use that word because people don't understand how harmful and dangerous a word like intimidation is or mm-hmm. for a black person it's something that i also been... hate that it puts the um, blame on the person whereas it's not my fault that you're intimidated by me i'm not doing anything to be intimidated to you but why are you like <laughs> yeah. why are you intimidated like what has he done to mm-hmm. intimidate you like this is not someone who came in with a knife like for you to be intimidating i have to have come into your office with a knife or gun or threatened you, or there has done, to be a sense of threatening. Yeah. Yes, I have to have done something that was very dangerous, or something that I could have potentially harmed you for. For you mm-hmm. to use such a word like intimidation, like intimidation is a big word. And if anyone follows, or you know, you follow like the history of race and racism, that's the word that's always been used against a lot of black men and black women. Oh, they were very intimidating. You know, um, that's why they were threatened by them or that's why they shot them or that's why they beat them mm-hmm. up or they look intimidating. Um, but really it's your bigotry. It's you checking your bias. It's you having to go back and say, the reason why you might have thought there's a little bit of intimidation there was because that was someone whose skin color was definitely different, different from yours. But also because you believe in all of the stereotypes that has been put on black people that were intimidating, were scary, were dangerous, mm-hmm. you know, uh, were thug-like, you know, because that that's that's what I get from a, uh, a situation like that. So when people say things like that, I just people be like, oh well, we don't really like Canada is a better place to live. And I'm just like, stop. You're you're not making the matters worse. I'm one, I'm one to sit down and talk about the issues let's not sugarcoat it mm-hmm. Canada is great with like like you said with the immigration policies but there's there's still a lot of, a lot of work that could be done that needs to be done um mm-hmm. I read a, I was reading like an uh an article or on a UBC student that was being beat up by uh the RCMP uh, I didn't uh, the whole story was just very brutal I didn't even want to finish it but I was just like but no one was talking about it enough. Like it wasn't anywhere yeah. in the news. It wasn't any social media because people can you just definitely generally just believe that we have a good year. Like mm-hmm. there is no racism. There's a sense of denial. Yes, that we all and there's good. a sense of comfort that people have built because of that denial. And nobody wants to do the work to actually sit down and be like, okay, 
let's let's figure this out because people are too content in their comfort but also people also forget that it translates as well to employment um mm-hmm. students don't are being uh given lesser grades just because the lecturers don't think mm-hmm. that they're adequate enough like how can a black student be this smart or how can an african student mm-hmm. be this smart i've had friends talk about how like their professors always question them a second time like oh this is your grade like how did you get this i studied like everyone else why would it you trickle down everything trickles down I had a professor say to me, I remember one time I was struggling so much with just like finding a job. I just moved and, you know, I had to get an internship and I was applying everywhere. Like my school wasn't giving me any help, but it wanted me to get an internship for me to pass that particular year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd gone to this professor like, well, you guys are not giving any help or any leads on who to and be to work with I'm a I just migrated here to a new country I don't know like I'm trying to find my roots here and I'm really struggling to find a job and you know things he talked about to me then was you know you might want to change your name it might just be your name and you know back then I took it I was like you know that's true like my name might be too too much for them so I had to get like a shut up sort of like a initials for my name and you know years back and I'm thinking about it and I'm just like that is just these are things like microaggression I should have to change my name to be able to fit into uh the structures of uh, like uh, employment and one of the um laws of like employment equity is to make sure that there's no any form of discrimination for everyone but i still think they really made you find a solution to a problem that they created created. and then i still think that there's still work to be done (laughs) i still i still check visible minority every time i I apply to a job yeah i tell people a lot that that's for me that's a very big big problem but for them they think oh well we're trying to um include why do you think you have to include me? It's the it's still the talks of inclusivity that still you know, I still feel like people are still thinking that we're still try we still have to end our rights to be here, and I I feel like yeah. talks like that are so scary. You know, still using terms like um, visible minority, like I, I think things like that are so 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 um, dangerous. Um, and you might say, uh, well, we're, it's a way for us to make sure that people are not being um, left out, but there's still people who are being left out. I'm sure if people actually sat down and just did like their research, people are still being left out through the situations. Mm-hmm. There are still employers who are just saying, you know, blatant it to your face. I would not employ you because you're from Nigeria, because, you know, you're fraudulent in countries like that, or you're from Africa. I've seen, I've seen people... Um, I've seen somebody who say like I wouldn't employ an Indian person, so um, I I feel I still feel like there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, um, mm-hmm. but people are still not willing to have that conversation. People think they're doing enough, and I'm just saying your enough is not like it's not good enough. Like the work You're is still in the situation. Yeah. Yes, the work is literally just began. Like this is just like the beginning phases. Like. There's and so it's really much. annoying. What annoys me the most is that it feels like a lot of the work and the responsibility falls on our shoulders. Whereas it's like, we didn't create this problem. We didn't create society to be like this. You did. You know, Black people didn't do this. And we have to A lot teach. of the times, 
a lot of the times when we talk about solutions, it's like it's it's left on us to fix it. It's left on Always. us to to figure out how we're going to change things. But why 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 do I have to when I didn't do this? Yeah, I, I I watched a video from a girl who said you cannot be my oppressor, my oppressor and my savior at the same time. And mm-hmm. I was just like, that is so true. Like you can't say you can't you can't oppress me and then still want me to want to save me. Mm-hmm. Um and you can't ask how have I- you found these conversations start to interrupt you? But while we're talking about the the oppressor and the savior complex, have you found it difficult to have these conversations with your white counterparts or white friends? Um, I used to, okay, so then I used to educate, like when I first moved there, I would just be like, I don't think you should say that, that's not cool. Um, mm-hmm. But recently something happened last year in my um, circle of friends and in my um, graduate class where um, the whole George Floyd situation happened, everyone, it was mm-hmm. very heated. And, you know, I had a friend, uh, a, a well, I would say we're friends, we're also classmates or, yeah. And, but she was Asian and um, she had made several comments on Facebook about how she felt about the riots that was happening in America. And then she'd also just minimized the whole um, situation of the riots and compared it to coronavirus comments, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of Asian people were getting, you know, discriminated due to, um Corona starting up in Asia mm-hmm. and people, which I think that's wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't, excuse, I don't excuse such behaviors at all. Like, and it um, was justifiable. Like pe- people of the Asian descent were being discriminated because of what was happening. Yeah. And, um, you know, she just kept going on and I was, I was very disappointed because, um, and this is why I, I, I think I, I stopped using the word people of color because I don't think there's really, yeah. There's really solid solidarity when it comes to uh, us as people of color. People say, you know, we're one. We need to fight. We experience discrimination at you, but at the end of the day, black people are bottom tier when it comes to anti-blackness is worldwide. Yeah. Yes, when it comes to people who can really be white passing or you know fit into white supremacy, and you know she was going on, and I was just saying to her, hey, I need you to sit this one out respectfully. I don't think you have the range for it. You know, my guess was really, you know, I, I thought she was going to pick up the phone, you know, call me to, mm-hmm. to talk. And it was never anything about that. And I was so upset. And I was just like, you know, this is actually tiring because I already have conversations with you, with you guys like, like this as an African student. And it's not easy, but it's a conversation I have because, you know, you think we're friends. You have to teach them and say, you can't say things like this. It's offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to learn. But to take such opinions um, to a public space, you know, I was ashamed, but more so I was very, I was tired. I was just like, we're not doing this anymore. You know, so I went on like a long rant and I was just like, you have to really educate yourself because you, you, you're smart, brilliant people. You know, if you you guys are even in, you're not um, in high school or even just getting your first degree anymore, it's your second degree. So, I'm you're very you're big intellectuals. So you know where you can find um, articles, books, documentaries if you go out looking for them. But you're not trying to actively understand other people's fight and mm-hmm. to compare years of racism and oppression, um, and not even leave or dwell in the past, but to minimize such 
pain that people experience that you haven't experienced to comments that you know people made to a certain race and it was it was just it was very painful and I was just like um I'm not teaching and educating people anymore I think at this rate I think um the black us always having to say black lives matter didn't just start now you know from the moment it started to get televised from the Trevor Martin case is always being in everyone's faces this issues are real especially our generation yeah and if you having for once just said um let me just go take a book and just understand or even I I I appreciate people come to me and ask me questions and say you know Mm -hmm. how like how do we go about this I don't I'm happy to you know talk about it I'm happy to put you in the right direction but to just be ignorant and just do mm-hmm. it so publicly, I just, it, I don't applaud it and I, I don't stand for it as well. So that's why I don't I'm... like it when people try to make it a competition of the oppressed. Yes. I think <laughs> that we as humans, like we, we have the brain capacity to acknowledge and to work on multiple things at once. You know, like I can talk about how how horrible of an experience it's been for Chinese people and as an Asian people as a whole to, for people to blame this entire global pandemic on them. In that same breath, I can also I can talk, talk about discrimination. The black also, community is. And I can also talk about how indigenous people matter as well. I can Absolutely. also talk about- we can talk about the missing- I can talk about, We can talk about all this stuff. I can talk about how indigenous women are being killed. That's why I said, I always tell people interse- intersectionality is very important. All this, mm-hmm. all these problems, all of these issues, they can all exist at as, as, as once. People think that mm-hmm. um, one has to be higher than the other. No, I, I am a black woman, which means I get to face black issues and women issues. And these are issues I have to mm-hmm. fight or ad- advocate mm-hmm. for equally, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so I just, I just, I, I don't think that there's anything that is they're all their problems, their problematics, their issues that mm-hmm. need to be addressed. They need to be advocated. Awareness needs to be created for what people need to educate themselves on. Um, I don't think because um, someone, you know, was racist to someone um, should go on to say, like, you know, the people in comments saying that, oh, like, well, did she, they deserve to be called. And I'm just like, no, a pandemic happened. It happened. Doesn't mean that um, Asian people get to be discriminated because of a pandemic that was beyond anyone's control. It is not fair. And um, it just takes us back to, you know, the people that we're trying to say, we don't want to be bored. You're going to be. So even me as a black person, I have to educate myself on other people's issues. You know, I have to be aware of other issues that don't revolve around me. That's how we show empathy. empathy. Yeah. Empathy is really one of the key things because that's one of the things that I think really hurt me was just because this was a situation where you can just be very empathetic. You know, mm-hmm. someone that someone had just died. It wasn't just someone, like a few, there are a few names already in the news channels. Like people had just died and this is all you had to see. Like, where's your empathy? This is not yeah, a comparison really of struggles or who had to struggle. No one's doing, we're mm-hmm. learning as we go. There's no one doing it better than anyone. So empathy is really something that I uh, encourage a lot of people to have. Oh my God, this, this whole conversation. But it's is so rare though, that's the thing. 
Like I remember saying this to somebody, I think it was my brother. I'm like, I refuse to argue with people who don't have empathy anymore. Cause that's not something you can teach. Mm-hmm. It really isn't like you've either got it or you don't. For sure. That is true. Like you either have it or you don't. You have to be very empathetic to these issues. But you also, if you haven't filled, if you haven't filled the shoes, uh, like that isn't yours, you have to sit and listen. Mm-hmm. I can speak, like I can speak on issues that affect me as a black, like a Nigerian woman. That's what I understand. That's my experience. Mm-hmm. But when I walk into a room of indigenous women, I have to sit down and listen because mm-hmm. their struggle is not mine. It's not one that I, I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with or I've ever experienced. You know, mm-hmm. yes, we are women, but um, their experiences isn't similar to mine, and our mm-hmm. realities are very, very different. Even mm-hmm. us as black women, like I like I mentioned before, like there is still it's even just sucks to say this because we face racism and then we still face issues like colorism and yeah it was still you still have to also realize that me and you our realities are not the same and I have to Mm -hmm. if you come and say this is something that you've experienced I have to sit down and listen and say well how can I help or how can we go Mm -hmm. forward from here Mm -hmm. you know Mm it's it's frustrating that there's layers to it because it's like, okay, you have to deal with all this sexism as a woman, and then you deal with levels of racism, and then within your own community, there's colorism. It's like, and then like, forget, like, throw racism out the, I'm sorry, throw um your religion out the window, because that's a whole nother issue, too. It's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. But Does it ever end? Does it ever end? And then sometimes I just like, how do I even begin to like, explain how exhausted I am? <laughs> And I think it's, I think people, and that's why I said, I, I think I'm so proud of like the generation that's just coming after us. Cause I even think their, mm-hmm. um, their vocal, their vocalness always just, you know, it's, it warms my heart and just surprises me every day. But the, the women that are becoming right now, I just, you know, I just say that, you know, I'm not going to be the strong black woman anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna be the one who has to take 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 i can mm-hmm. be tired i can be exhausted this and i'm just so if you're feeling any of some of like, like sometimes i go because <laughs> i go on um clubhouse and there's so many so much conversations about you know how black men need to treat black women better um mm-hmm. you know how we need to create with that's something that i just don't want to listen because i think it's exhausting and sometimes i'm just like mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go be a fighter or talk 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 like y'all can do what y'all can do some days i'm gonna go into rooms where it's just like black girls deserve luxury and i'm just like yes i'm here oh, for yes, that we do. yes i'm here for that i'm living in spaces where i've seen black women travel buy luxury enjoy their lives talk about um their travel experiences like the, i love it these are the things i look forward to now i'm mm-hmm. not about to always sit down and always hear how black women have to suffer because truthfully like you said it is exhausting i'm over that narrative like it is it is exhausting it is exhausting to always have to you know try to explain that even when there's um a movement like feminism we're still the ones who are still left behind 
yeah. we have to tell people that the the feminism that has been happening for us has only benefited white women and never benefited yeah. us because mm-hmm. we have to we still have to go to, we still have to be the ones going to work and try to make our hairstyle more acceptable at the workplace or yeah. so, we don't, so we don't make you know our co-workers uncomfortable mm-hmm. the, one time I couldn't even see I'd, I had to stop going to my lunchroom because I knew like my hair was going to be the topic of you know the whole conversation for the for my one hour break and people it think it took a global pandemic happening for me to put my hair in braids oh god <laughs> please wear your braids like I can't I, I can't emphasize that like, like wear your braids um I remember wear your froze do all of it <laughs> I, I remember um I used to wear like a lot of weaves when I first moved you know I just never really should and then I just stopped and I was just like I was just all about like my natural hair and I even became more confident that I just said you know like my hair is part of my identity but it, it can also change it's not fixed and I mm-hmm. also cut my hair. And I remember I started a new job um, with my shorter hair. And then I got braids one time. And everyone was just, like, surprised. Everyone wanted to touch it. Everyone wanted to ask me how long it took. And some of them were, you know, good good will, good intentioned. But it was exhausting for me to want to just go chill on my lunch break and just, mm-hmm. be, and just be my own time to talk about, like, how my hair and how I do my hair process. And I'm just like these things are not new <laughs> or, people, or people asking me is this your is this your real hair like why do you feel the need to question me is this my real hair yeah i just like i if you say oh it's beautiful then keep it you know keep it going keep yeah. it um but the the i, I don't know I, I'm, I'm i'm there's a lack of word for what i'm trying to get out of my head but you know, I've had someone say, "Oh my God, you just remind me of like an Amazonian goddess." Can we stop with that? What What does that mean? Amazonian goddess? Excuse me. Oh my God! I mean, I've been giving you the you. They're like, they're like Nefertiti. I was Nefertiti. Chocolate goddess. If I have to be described as a food, you've already lost me. Oh God. Oh God, like not the not the chocolate mocha. <laughs> like tell a goddess. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Like, I feel like probably she's in touch of me. Like, how does this also translate to your dating experiences? Oh man. Oh, the stories I have. <laughs> do, do, do we need another episode for this? Like, if oh just God. let me know if we need another episode for this. Like the stories I have. That I've done subconsciously, and I didn't realize I did it up until recently, is that I've tried to vary out who I date. So I've never specifically been like, oh, I'm just dating black, or I'm just dating white. Like I've kind of been all over the range, and I've also been like African American and African and European, and the experiences have always been all over the place. But like, my God, the things that people feel that they can say to a black woman and then think it's a compliment it's a compliment oh my god that drives me crazy is that like yeah you said it but you really thought that this was going to make me like blush and giggle oh my god so i've I've had a few and this is why it's so scary because people say keep an open mind you know someone said to me like oh i like your skin tone 
And I was just like, what does that mean? It's like, I just like your skin tone. You know, I I think there's so many ways to compliment people. Like, oh, you're mm-hmm. beautiful. But like, I'm very careful for someone not to say things like, oh, I like your skin tone. Or like, I'm guessing you know how to throw it down and you have like a nice booty. And I'm just like, <laughs> help me, Lord. How do I reply to well, I hate it when they like, they're like oh you remind me of and then it's like the one black person that they know that's a celebrity and you're like I look nothing like this other human being (laughs) you're only saying this because we're both black yo like even (laughs) one time in class I won like my natural hair in class and I had this instructor who took out like at least 10 minutes to make a whole conversation on my hair it was so unnecessary. I didn't appreciate it at all, you know. And then he went on to compare me to Tina Turner. Yes, he did. Um, that I reminded him of today. And then went on to take a picture of me. Asked someone to take a picture of me with him so he could show his wife, basically. That's my, so inappropriate. My hair looks like. And a lot of people didn't find that. Oh, it was like, oh, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. And I was just like but you're that not the so one <laughs> so you don't understand like um it's something me and my me and my my friend we laugh about now and just talk about how like we had to take a, just take up a lot because it's so hard to explain like your experiences to people who are not experiencing the same things like, as mm-hmm. you like how do I take that mm-hmm. to uh my head of this department to say like I think it was very inappropriate that so like an instructor spoke about my hair non-stop mm-hmm. and make jokes about it in class and then went mm-hmm. on to compare me to someone who's not looks nothing like me yeah and Tina Turner is a beautiful amazing rock star I love her but yeah I look nothing like her mm-hmm. but of course he I, he made that reference because of my hair and she had the big hair back, um, yeah. back in the time and stuff like that but yeah because then and when as soon as like you try to bring it up as like something that made you uncomfortable their mind all goes to well it could be worse it could be you worse it could, <laughs> could have, be worse <laughs> it could be shooting you down you know it could be, yeah it could be worse it could be worse i have like a very distinct memory of just like i like was at a restaurant it was before i was seated i was like standing waiting for our table and this man these two men were like standing by my side also waiting for their table and this guy you can like you can know you that look that people have when you can tell that they're trying to work up the courage to talk to you or they're trying to like they're just they're just waiting for the moment to talk to you and I guess like I turned and that was opening and this guy comes up to me he's like hey you know my name is so and so he's much much older and he's like you know last week I flew on Ethiopia Airlines and I'm like okay and he was like yeah he's like I had a great experience on Ethiopia Airlines and I was like okay what does that have to do with me like what about Ethiopia Airlines oh my god <laughs> has to do with me are you not embarrassed <laughs> this is very it's embarrassing. embarrassing it's very embarrassing my dear like what what is the fact that even when I was um at work one time one of my co-workers was you know going on a marketing on tour in um some to an, Af- an african country and the mother co-worker was just like hey aj 
uh, you know, she's going to Africa. Uh, do you have someone you want her to say hi to? Africa is a continent with 36 countries. <laughs> Even if she were going to Nigeria, how the hell are you going to find my friends or my family? We're a population of 1.9 billion or so. Like, to automatically assume that everyone will know. It's like me saying, oh, uh, Tamir is going to Canada. Do you have someone like you want to say hi to? You know, the first time it was funny, everyone laughed. And then she mentioned it again. And someone had to say like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to Nigeria, you know. Um, but then, um, you know, everyone would see them like, oh, it's just, a, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's a very, you know, it's a sweet thing. But um, I, I found it weird that people were not willing to also just learn that Africa is a continent and we don't all know each other. And there's a lot of countries in mm-hmm. Africa and even in Nigeria, don't expect me to, don't ask me questions like, do you, or do you know this person? You know, mm-hmm. if you say, oh, like you can ask questions, you know, to even know someone's culture, you can ask like, what, what are the places to go to? Where, where should mm-hmm. you visit and stuff like that? Um, but like, it's, it's things that, it's the little things like that. It's that, that, I think people still need to do better and people still need to work on because Absolutely. I don't... But the little things all add up then, you know? They do. The little things all eventually add up and then it it just, there's no way for it to not affect you if you constantly are hearing stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, it goes on to, it goes on to say, like, oh, I don't see color, you know? I, I hate that line so much. I, I don't see color. I'm, But you have to see color. You have to see that my my skin doesn't give me the same access to some of the things that you get to have as mm-hmm. a non-black person so you have to see color so my skin is part of my identity it's part of who i am period poo period not seeing color is then not seeing me for who i am i guess this brings us to the question of um how does this translate i know you say you work in tech but how, how does this also translate to you working in tech but you're also um an influencer I would say and um I've seen a lot of like if you type in like you know you're looking for like Vancouver influencers and stuff like that it's predominantly like white women Mm -hmm. so um I wonder do you do you work with brands or do you think this affects you working with brands or do you feel like you have Mm -hmm. to work twice as hard in your space like in your tech space to prove that you know what Mm -hmm. I'm qualified I'm good enough and also, you know, working in a social media space, do you feel like um, it's easier for you to navigate this industry or like, what do you think your experience is, your experience is yeah. like? I mean, I don't know if I would call myself an influencer. Actually, I don't call myself an influencer, but I can understand where that perception would come from because you like, I'm a very visual person and I just... I think we can say, we can say digital talent. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, okay we can put that on my resume <laughs> we can use that yeah digital talent because that's yeah because you do good quite, yeah I've had quite a few brands companies people reach out um and almost all of them I don't know if there's a correlation but almost all of them have been after what has happened this summer with the entire movement oh no um no one was reaching, <laughs> no one was reaching out to you before this that is ugh, i also yeah. wasn't like putting myself out there before this too right you know i think i was a bit more visible i'd say post this summer but because 
because I don't like consider myself part of that, that, that feel, that, that world, um, it was very easy for me to be selective about what, what I do and who I work with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people don't understand, or maybe they do understand that what they put out on social media is a reflection of who they are. And so like these companies will reach out and then you click onto their profile, and there's not a single person of color on their page. Right. And then you're like, well, then why should I work with you then? And I understand that some people would also argue like, well, maybe you're the first of many, but again, like you can't, you can't imagine something if you can't see it. And if I don't see anybody who looks like me on your profiles, then why would I want to work with you? That is true. How do you, you know? even, it's, it's almost like a graph, like basically wanting you to do the ground the work. work for them. Like where mm-hmm. do you begin? How do you start for up? And mm-hmm. how genuine is this collaboration going to be? Did, did he have to take a black man dying and an uprising in another country for people to realize, oh, we're not creating space enough for black people. Mm-hmm. But we and is it a one-off? And is yeah, it like, exactly. is this, yeah. Do I work with you now and then do you just disappear? Are you gonna work with other mm-hmm. people after me? And does he have to take, you know, like I I think we're unlearning people are learning, people are trying their best, but um mm-hmm. we didn't just wake up one day and said, you know create space for black people it's been that's, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what pains my heart because i'm 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 in my mid-20s now and for the longest of time so many people have been thinking about representation 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 mm-hmm. so when are we gonna get it you know yeah. when are people going to say you know what this is valid and we're gonna start you know bringing black people to the table mm-hmm. you know Every time I, I buy a brand, um, I have to see how black women are represented. Like I it got to a point now, it's just I'm making the habit, a conscious effort to even only buy black yeah. owned brands. And cause that's what it's come to now. I'm going to try to celebrate black people, um, black skincare brands, black f- fashion clothing lines and so forth and so forth what because I always feel like everything now is just a PR marketing strategy with people saying oh yeah we're gonna do like a black campaign and then after that even then I feel like like if it's not marketed to me then why should I buy it you know right like it's almost like you telling me that I shouldn't even bother with your product because there's no hint of an idea there that somebody like me will want your product so it's almost like I'm doing you a favor that's what it's always felt like to me. But, you know, that's something that's came out of a lot of the, the conversations from this past summer was like, put your money where your mouth is, right? There were a lot of brands who probably realized that they were lacking and stepped up and made a conscious decision to do better and put their money where their mouth was, you know? And you saw a visible change in, in their marketing. You saw them putting support behind other smaller black brands like they really showed up and showed out you can you and I can see effort we know what effort looks like we also know what pandering looks like too Mm -hmm. we can tell when it's a one-off we can tell when you're just saying it for the sake of saying it and so I'm just like you are like I'm consciously I'm researching wherever I put my money now Sure. I'm not blindly giving anymore because my money holds power. It does.
I think this year, for obvious reasons, was very different for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, Black History Month crept up on me this month because I feel like we've been having the same conversation since this past summer. Yeah. And a lot of it has been good because it's been a celebration of Black people since this summer. And it's devastating that it took somebody being murdered for this to happen. Actually, it took multiple people being constantly murdered for this to happen. Yeah, but I like the wave. Them. Yeah, I like the wave that we're on right now. Um, I think Black History Month is a celebration to me. And it's what you said, too. It's a visibility. It's people and faces that we don't see regularly throughout the year even though we should be and it's people amplifying black people from the past black people who are presently doing incredible things and it's it's something that i wish continued past like the shortest month of the year and that's really, what really. I, and that's <laughs> i have to say you know um every day should be celebrating black excellence um mm -hmm. someone i think it was someone who was explaining why we had to get the shortest month of the year for black history month and i'm just like it doesn't it doesn't even matter because we're gonna celebrate black excellence all year but mm -hmm. whether it's the shortest month of the year we're gonna take each day to highlight black experiences mm -hmm. amplify black voices as much as we can um and i think the thing is black people are doing this all year round yeah, I think are. Black History Month is when everybody else should be stepping up as well and matching yes. us. Change your curriculum at schools and teach. I can go on. So I think it's really important for um, non-Black people to educate themselves, to step up to the plate. Don't wait till someone says, oh, I need you to step up to speak up. I think yeah. that's something you have to do, but also teach your kids from very young age to not be um, bigot and to be very aware of how they speak to um, their classmates in schools or report mm -hmm. certain situations that are unkind or uncomfortable or being made or has made someone who doesn't look like them uncomfortable. It's little it's, things like that. It's taught. Yeah, racists aren't born, they're taught. Yeah. They are 100% taught. I think of like the case of of Shukri Abu in, in the UK, where she was murdered by her classmates. She was in elementary school and murdered by her classmates. But right. kids don't just wake up and decide to do stuff like that. They've seen it at home. They've seen how their parents yeah. obviously interacted with non-Black people, and that's something they've taken to school as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of work ahead of us. We do. <laughs> Uh, and I love being black. I love being um, Nigerian. I think um, I think it's such. We're just. I think we're. It's. I don't know how to explain. It. I think we're people who have actually experienced so much. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's why we're so humorous. Because I think we. Yeah. No, that's why people. Someone said, <laughs> oh, "What is Black Twitter?" Because like, Black Twitter is a thing. Like we're in that Absolutely. space. Like, we turn every little you know it, not even i would say trauma and bad experiences to something good and make you so lighthearted because once you've put a certain group of people through so much pain you know mm -hmm. they found ways to take that and flip it and you know make it into something good and something wholesome so um, we have to find the humor we have to find the humor and everything so as much as everything it would be too much <laughs> exactly as, as much as everything is 
you know, sometimes it gets exhausting, but sometimes I'm just like very happy to see a lot of the things that is just happening. The culture is just pushing. Mm-hmm. None of those things can also happen unless you have, unless you hire Black people, you know, like all of these things have trickle down effects. Like you got to hire Black people because Black people will bring the ideas that will then, you know, affect Black consumers and Black consumers will then put money into these companies. Like it's, 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 everything is connected, It is, you know? Um, so before we head out, I just wanted to know if you had any <laughs> any advice for, I guess, people just trying to like find their identity. And um, I like how we talked about how, you know, Blackness is valid in so many ways. There's no way mm-hmm. to be Black and we're not monolithics. And um, we can all express it in so many ways. So I just wanted to know if you had like any word of advice for the girls and boys, you know? I would say leave all of your doors open. You know, give yourself fluidity, give yourself movement because you're not going to stay one thing forever. Your identity is going to be constantly changing. So whatever you feel in the moment, allow yourself the freedom to be that. And just know that in like five years, you'll probably grow and shift. In another five years, you'll grow and shift. But don't beat yourself up because that's just the evolution of being human, you know? Your identity isn't going to be rooted in one situation. Let yourself be. That's what I'm saying. Let yourself be. And that's on little <laughs> lamp. Thank you so much, Samaria. Not a damn lie um, was told. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Um, you guys Thank know the Thank you spiel. for having me. You're welcome. I love conversations like this. We're going to have so much more. Um, I feel like we're definitely going to bring you on back, you know, just for the yes. experiences in Vancouver. Yes. Once I it. get, I get a, <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening and, you know, the spill, make sure you're following me on Instagram, subscribe, and I'll see you soon. Bye.